0: Hello and welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about the difference between Christians
1: and disciples of Jesus. Yeah. going to be an interesting conversation. I think it'll be thought-provoking and hopefully inspirational. (laughs) (laughs) I hope all of these are inspirational. But But first, it's
0: Joker story time, John, and it's your turn. My turn. Um, I was remembering, so when I worked at a a coffee shop, there were two locations. There was our West Olympia main location Mm -hmm. and then a little um, stall, basically, in the Kaiser Permanente. I went and visited that one. It was bigger than a stall. Yeah, bigger than a stall, but... Um, but certainly not as big as the original right,
1: location. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the lobby of a hospital. Yeah, I remember being actually surprised at how big your little kiosk was. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I'm actually anxious. They, uh, they, I've been back there.
0: It, how does it look? It, it looks exactly say. the same. Really? Yep. Oh, that's so. They put some tables
1: and stuff in there, so it's actually a place to hang out. But, but it they doesn't... said they
0: were going to move the whole thing back and like give them more space.
1: Maybe they did. It doesn't look any different to me but that,
0: that's very disappointing. I'm I was I was excited to actually see it. Wow. Cuz there's a new a new spot there now and Yeah. <sighs> anyway, you're there. One anyway, day yeah. working there. Well, now the wind's out of my sails. That <laughs> was I was <laughs> genuinely excited to see what it was like. Anyway, yeah. Well, when you when you worked there, it was always busy. Um and uh tips just coming out of your ears. Uh, middle of the day at a hospital, you know, 80 to 90% of my customers were Senior citizens, mostly retired mm. who were there, you know. And to be clear, it's not exactly a hospital. Or a clinic? Is it, that? Was a, it was a,
1: it was, a, yeah, they did have a, they had a pharmacy, they had doctors. They that's had where you ER, go to see your they doctor. Had, they, yeah. had, they had an urgent care. Okay. That's what I would call that. They had an urgent care. But it's a big operation with lots of people coming through there. Yeah, I mean, they had surgeons. You, you know, know, they
0: had, I don't know the terms. I call it a hospital. But yeah, it's not a hospital. Anyway. <laughs> Lots of, you meet uh, a lot of people in tough situations, but a lot of really cool people. Well, I think one of the reasons you meet a lot of cool people in coffee in general is because everyone drinks coffee, for one. Most people drink coffee. Mm-hmm. And the reason you meet a lot of cool people at hospitals is because everyone's got to go to the hospital at some time or another. So it's really. How does that narrow down the population from
1: boring to special people? I think it, no, I'm Interesting saying, people. I'm saying
0: like, say you work at a juice bar, right? Yeah. You're going to meet a specific type of person. Yeah. Yeah. And probably not the kind of guy I want to sit around and talk to. I'm not here to pass judgment on the type <laughs> of person who drinks juice. I'm just saying that it's not as wide an audience as coffee. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, those
1: juice drinkers, they're, they're thin. They're in shape. Yeah, they're really long, about Long health, hair, probably. probably. And and I just can't keep up, man. They look at me, one look, and say, you want a cinnamon roll?
0: <laughs> so I think you're, you walked in the wrong door. Yeah. Yeah. But and everybody can go to a coffee shop. That's, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, so- We'd meet some pretty cool people. There's this guy who came in, and uh, I was working. You would either have two people in the back or just by yourself. Very stressful because you could get pretty, pretty busy, and by yourself you're just sweating. Mm-hmm. But the tips you don't split them when you're alone, and generally older people carry more cash, so they'd be more inclined to throw something some in some tip drawer. money in there, and you'd walk away pretty you know pretty good. Not not some shoe salesman money, but but close, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so this guy one time, he had two wooden pens in his uh, sh- in his oh, shirt pocket. I love those. They're, yeah, really, really cool. And uh, the guy I was working with was like, um, those are nice pens. And he pulled them both out, and it turns out he makes them as a hobby. Mm. He uh, just woodworks as a hobby and hollows them out and puts a, uh, you know, an ink Ball tube in it. In and it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he said, you guys want them? And so we were like, well, yeah. <laughs> and so he let us pick, and I fortunately, the one I picked that I wanted, my coworker did not want. He wanted the other one anyway. And they're really great, so I still have mine. Uh, the innards aren't as... He he made them for fun. So the wood is super nice and smooth and treated right. and stained. But the pen quality is not that great. Yeah, so I don't actually use it very often, but I really like looking at it and holding it, and it's on it's on my desk. Nice. Yeah, so that's one. Uh, I met tons of people. That's where, actually where I met the woman, the Bobby Brillo story way back. Oh, yeah, in, uh, yeah. Yeah, and... <laughs> Early June and John days, um, but this other guy, so he had to have been ninety. Uh, and one thing this job did for me is I'm a lot better at judging ages. I used to think oh, that, yeah. um, you know, I would I would, s- I would s- probably insult people with how, how yeah. old I thought they were or were yeah. not. Uh, this guy was was up there for sure, and he's wearing a um, vintage Seahawks hat with the the vintage like the kind old of the original style style logo, of, yeah. yeah, and the the paler colors, the paler yeah. blue. Yeah. And then uh, a Letterman jacket with the seat with the the old school Seahawks oh wow thing, with different colored sleeves green and and, and blue, blue. Yeah. and the vintage thing on the back with a number and uh, uh, jeans and a t shirt and uh, Converse kicks wow yeah and he's yeah. ninety he had to be and he he put together and I, the whole time I'm thinking like who dressed this guy because there's no way <laughs> he did this himself and he looked so like crisp and put together. Yeah. And I saw him again later. I forget the second outfit because the first one was my favorite, but the second time I saw him, he was just as put together in a different outfit. Um, and yeah, anyway, just lots of, lots of interesting people. That's interesting. You know what, yeah. I, what I've discovered about guessing people's
1: ages mm-hmm. is that when you're young, you guess people older than they actually are. Yeah. And when you're my age, you guess them younger than they actually are. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. It's also interesting because you, you know, with how people deteriorate is so different. So, um, my uh, grandma, you know, deteriorated mentally very quickly because mm-hmm. of an illness. Mm-hmm. And so I meet people who are 80 and they're as sharp. quick as yeah. they could ever be. Yeah. And so it's shocking to me when I when they're, you know, uh, a, a man who's a regular at the coffee shop and goes to Evergreen is like that. He's almost 80 and he is very fast.
1: Oh, yeah. He's, he's sharp.
0: Yeah. And so and that's shocking to me. I would assume, you know, maybe maybe seven early 70s.
1: Yeah. And I think that's uh, increasingly common. Mm. Um, I'm hoping more common. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you meet so many wide variety of people that at the state fair in Texas. Oh yeah. At the Texas state fair. With
0: the, what's that big guy? The, big Tex. big Tex. Right.
1: And there would be little, um, I don't know, like, um, I don't even know what you'd call them. They're not they, anyway. They were booths where they would do different things. Okay. And one of them like was... Like face paint? Yeah, and one like of that. them was, I can guess your age within two years of either side, or else you get a giant stuffed animal. Oh, man. Cost you two bucks or something. Sure. And I was shocked, man. I would take my friends who looked way younger than they actually were, mm-hmm. or if they looked really older, and the dude could do it every time. Now, two years either side means you get a five-year window. Yeah. Because you get the actual age, and then I get two above, two below. So I got a five-year range, right? That's a That's a... It's a pretty big range. Yeah, it's a chunk. Yeah, so, you know, if I guessed you at 20, I lose. If you guessed me at 20, you win. No, because you're 24. Oh, you're right. Two on either side. Two on either side.
0: Right, right. You're right.
1: But I could guess you anywhere from 22 to 26 and still win.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and I would have thought I was like maybe I could fool him because when I I I grew my beard early. Yeah, now I'm actually closer and closer to what people think I am. Yeah, and when I was in, I remember Bethany was going to high school for the first time, this big orientation night, and you guys dragged me along, and I've been my height since I was in eighth grade. Yeah, so and when she was going to uh, her freshman year, I would have been in seventh grade, so a little less than this. But Mm -hmm. um, and people thought I was going to high school, and I was very proud of that. Right, they're like, oh, what you know. Anyway, yeah. So, and I was always like, "Well, maybe I could fool." But you wore those. You
1: wore those kid glasses. Those were the (laughs) the glasses gave you away. I wore those till I was a junior. I know. Anyway, I would I would stand there at that booth forever, year after year, and I never saw the guy lose. Not once. Not one time. I wonder what his trick is. I don't know.
0: I bet you he goes. There's a few things. I'm
1: sure he's looking at watches. You know, if your 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 watch might give your age, wardrobe.
0: I don't know. Maybe he's eavesdropping on people as they walk by, and he's, you know. There you go. Who knows? I wonder about certain, probably, wrinkles, hands, uh, the thinness of your skin. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't know. There's one more uh, uh, article of clothing that I only saw once at Kaiser, and I was very jealous. If I could find this jacket, it was a Pendleton jacket, so there's no way that I could even. Thrift shops, you know, you find some miracles sometimes. Sure. But it was a leather or a a denim jacket, uh, you know, just normal collared denim jacket and along the middle of the back from side to side was sewn in this um like a red soft kind of you know like a mexican poncho mexican blanket style yeah. pattern yeah it, across the middle of the back bordered on either side by the denim so it was like this weird banner that sounds across the awful the, it looked so slick that uh, sounds terrible what, what it, colors Red, it's just red. Yeah. Red. Solid red, red. Solid red with uh the with the patterns of white. Right. Right. And then the blue denim. So it was it was it was pretty cohesive. That. It was one of those things that I bet you he got it when it was cool. It became uncool and now it's all the way back. And Could he's, be, yeah. he's riding that in that way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well here's what's cool is to be a Christian but
1: not be a disciple of Jesus. <laughs> That's not so, cool. How's that for a segue? That was <clears throat> It was all right. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that this hit me, I don't know if I heard somebody say it or if I read it or if it just crossed my brain, Mm -hmm. I honestly don't remember. But about a month ago, the thought is the problem with churches is that they're full of Christians, but they're not full of disciples. Sure. And so I want us to talk a little bit today about the difference between a Christian and a disciple. Let me start
0: this way. How many kinds of Christians are there? Well, that's what I was going because you—that idea is new. That church is full of Christians, not disciples. But you've you've often said um, in the New Testament, there's only one kind, right? Um, but we
1: would think of several kinds. Like we would yeah. think of a casual Christian, a radically committed Christian, yeah, uh, a backslidden Christian. You know, we got all these kinds of Christians. But the Bible
0: really does only know one kind. It does. It acknowledges multiple ty- kinds of people in the community. So it'll say. Uh, he'll write letters acknowledging specific people, not, not in a vague sense. Not that there are these kinds of people, but that there's this person who is abusing this, and, and you need to right, like, take right. care of it. So, <clears throat> so there is a minor distinction there. Well, and
1: there are, uh, yeah, but it's not a good thing. It's always right. mentioned as get 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 in line, man. You know, right. catch up. And so uh, we tem- we seem to have um, such an inordinate affection with grace that we have cheapened grace and the. The idea of repentance is uncommon. The idea of um, uh, feeling remorse for my sin. Uh, in, in fact, um, many of us just seem to sleep well at night in spite of our sin patterns. Sure. Because we just trust in the grace of Jesus. And the grace of Jesus is re- is just incredible. It's, uh, it is shocking yeah. how much grace God lavishes on us. And so we're not talking about discipleship so that God will love you and forgive your sin. We're talking about a an appropriate response to this extravagant grace. Yeah. Okay. So what I thought we would do is kind of uh, put together a list between us. Like we'll think of things that um, a Christian probably thinks this way, but a disciple thinks this way, and it'll kind of help paint a picture so that each one of us can get a feeling of man, where am I on this list? And uh, this again, this is not an effort to condemn anyone. It's an effort to inspire us to pursue greater intimacy with Jesus and greater um, alignment to Him. Like uh, a pr- I like the word. I don't, you know, the word disciple. We don't have a modern understanding of that word. Sure, we don't use it in our language. Um, so maybe an apprentice. I like that word better. That we're invited and called by God to be apprentices of Jesus. Well.
0: I the the word disciple and just kind of the root with it uh, discipline and stuff yes. like that. Yeah. Um But it the fact that it means same with apprentice actually. So mm-hmm. I guess they both work. But that it it connotes a uh, or denotes a um, a leader that you are um, following somebody. And in its day, when Jesus would call disciples to mm-hmm. himself,
1: that was very common for rabbis of the day right. to right. have like John disciples.
0: Don't have disciples. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so that was common. I think more now like the NFL coaching trees. Like mm. you, you see these young coaches. Well, who did they learn from? And you'll follow their coaching tree. Like Bill Belichick's got this whole tree of coaches in the NFL now who came from his development wagon. Interesting.
0: Like they were his coordinators at yeah. some point. Yeah. Or...
1: And so uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking of gotcha. is that we're 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 in the development tree of Jesus, and we're going to become um, people who, and and I, I'm really loving this threefold thing: people who spend an enormous amount of time with Jesus. And we begin to look like Jesus in our lives. And then we do what Jesus did. You know, that to me is what we're called to scripturally. Gotcha. So let's let's kind of think of some things. So um, I'll kick us off. And, and the idea here is to, um, these are the things that popped in my head. Some of them will pop in your head. Some of them may just emerge as we're even talking. Um, and maybe people will send us uh, others that they would add to the list. Yeah, please. Uh, but let's just get started. Like, sure. um, Christians seek to receive. Like I, I go to church to to be fed. I hear right. that all the time, right? Um, we, one of the convicting things I've thought and continue to think periodically in my life is if God answered every one of my prayers, would it benefit anybody but me?
0: Yeah, that's,
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> that's uh great. So Christians seek to receive where disciples seek to give. hmm life is full of givers and takers. And are you a taker or are you a giver? Yeah. And I would say uh, for the sake of this comparison, Christians are more takers and disciples
0: are more givers. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think I've, I've kicked around this idea with you a little bit and I've sent some, um, hesitation probably because the word is kind of, is kind of weird, but, but the idea of producing for the kingdom and, mm-hmm. uh, and not to the extent that it is, um, merit based, but that you are called to do, and there's the um, you know tension between that Martin Luther quote that we both love: "The while I sit here and 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 sip my beer, the kingdom of God marches on." There yeah. that you can trust in um, the sovereignty of God, exactly. His, His plans is unstoppable. Exactly. He can do it without you, but that you know the tree by its fruit, right? You know, and that's kind of the whole the whole point. You you are saved so that you can. You know, well, I, don't, he, I wouldn't know about saving, but you are you are blessed that you can bless others. And you're, yeah, you know. and you look at a Matthew twenty five, for example, where the sheep and the goats, and
1: and and right. he will separate the goats on his right, the sheep on his left, or whatever it is, opposite way. But um, and he goes through um these goats. These are I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was naked, right. you didn't clothe me. I was it's all actions, yeah. Things you did and then the ones who the the sheep are the ones who did do that, and the only difference between group one and group two is what they did or did not do. Yeah. And so the New Testament and Jesus specifically equates belief with action. Can
0: I say I believe if I don't actually do? Totally. And I wonder if to me it seems that the um the shift in uh you know Old Testament New Testament in, in the callings of God, right? Mm-hmm. Is it's Old Testament is um is the guardrails of don't do this this and this. And New Testament is um is the proactive, is the do this, this, and this. So, so the new Testament, as much as they do say, you know, um, the kingdom doesn't belong to idolaters, sexual immor- uh, sexually immoral, the, you know, right. uh, murders, whatever. Uh, but mostly it's do these things and you're good to go. Whereas it was do not do these things and you're good to go.
1: Yeah. And I and I don't think the New Testament uses the language and you're good to go. Well, sure. Because uh, trust in Jesus and you're good to go. Right. But here's what going looks like. Here's right. what good to go looks like. It looks like living a different kind of life. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a new birth of the Spirit. This is Maybe this is one of the roots of the problem is that I can believe in Jesus, but that, that doesn't uh, – I'm not expecting or experiencing a profound new birth of my soul. So, like, something new is born in me. This is what uh, Christianity is described like in the New Testament. Sure. So, one of them is uh, Christians believe, but disciples obey. I hear all the time people talking about, well, I'm a believer. Mm-hmm. And I, I talk to people who are, you know, um, leaving their spouse because they just don't like them anymore. And I'm like, well, what about your vow? What about – well, I'm a believer. And God's okay with this. God wants me to be happy. And so the bar seems to
0: be belief right?
1: where for a disciple the bar is obedience.
0: Yeah. I think what we kind of just touched on it is that uh, really that if you don't obey, you don't believe in in your truest self. That's what Jesus would say. I yeah. saw
1: a quote today that said um, – I think it was Mark Batterson or somebody said – um wherever you have the greatest fear is an indicator of where you have the least amount of trust in God hmm. and that would make sense like if i'm if I'm financially terrified right then I am not trusting God financially right and so I ne- and so it's kind of an indicator yeah yeah and so Jesus sense. would say obedience is an indicator of belief and <clears throat> if I believe my 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 stepdad mm-hmm. uh, was an airplane mechanic his whole life and he actually what he did was he refurbed turbines on seven thirty seven engines. Hmm. But he would not fly.
0: Really? Yeah. And so <laughs> <laughs> he used to lose a little bit of trust.
1: Right. So yeah. it's like he knew I don't all, do that a job. Yeah. Well, he believed he did a good job. <laughs> right. He didn't trust all the other knuckleheads doing all the other parts of the engine. He just did turbines. And so uh he just would not fly. And I I was always struck by that that he that he works on the engines but he won't trust the engines. Right. And this would be the um obedience bar that Jesus would use. If you believe this, if you be- if you if you believe in God, then you will walk by
0: faith and not by sight. Because you believe he's going to Right. Right. And in in the um in the actual understanding you have of things, it just it just clicks. You don't have to you don't have to fight your fear. You just aren't afraid anymore. You don't have to make yourself obey. You just yeah.
1: do it because if you're... I, yeah, if I believe that God rewards the humble, then I will practice humility. Right. I will try to go after my arrogance because God punishes arrogance, but he rewards humility. If I believe that, then how could I act arrogantly?
0: Right. 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 You, then you wouldn't actually, actually I wouldn't believe it. I don't, yeah. I don't really believe that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right of yeah. course. Okay. I've got one. Uh, uh, Christians worship with music. Disciples worship with their whole life. I think that's a great one
1: because um, you know we get in gatherings of Christians and we all about the worship and mm-hmm. and about the music. And when we think of worship, if I if you say to a Christian, "Hey, what do you think about worship?" they're going to start describing music to you, right? Whereas an, a, a a disciple would think of worship as my very life. I'm worshiping God when I do the dishes for my wife. With my
0: wife, I don't mean for her like that's her job. No, I, th- I actually, I heard that do it as like, like as the way you do your work for your boss. Yes. That's a, yeah. that's how I do
1: it. But, uh, you know, the way I cut my grass and when I'm talking to my neighbor in the street that all of my life is designed to be an act of worship for it declares yeah. the glory of God and trusts in, uh, the, the goodness of God. So worship as a lifestyle versus worship
0: as a song. Yeah. And I don't think, I think part of that is just, uh, it's, it's a helpful, um, term, you know, it is it, when you're a worship pastor, it's a, it's a helpful designation of, of your actual job. So it's not to say that that's a bad word for what that is, right? but the
1: way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. Another one I would say is that Christians, um, listen to ministers and, uh, let ministers do the ministry. Whereas disciples are the ministers. Hmm. So a Christian receives from the ministry of ministers, right. but a disciple recognizes I am
0: a minister. And my life is also a ministry. Yeah. And that seems because a lot of people, I think I feel this way. You probably do too, that, that, um, career ministers are, are held to a higher standard. Would you say that? I think they are. Yes. So certainly uh, even from
1: the public, you mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Your congregant, your average congregant would say that some
0: behavior for a congregant is acceptable for them, but not acceptable for a pastor to do that. Is that what you mean? No, I mean in in the eternal sense. Oh, that uh, you have more responsibility and more those who teach and preach, especially. Yeah, yeah. So, um, do you make a distinction there then between like a lay disciple? Well, I'm more thinking about I'm more thinking about that. um,
1: I go when I think of a minister, I think of a guy who's standing on a stage, right? Versus when I think of a minister, I think of a guy welding at the shop, who's doing his life as ministry. Gotcha. So I think a disciple, the New Testament talks a lot about the priesthood of believers and that all of us are ministers. In fact, we say that the pastors are the administers. They are administrating the details of the church so that the ministers can be empowered and equipped to do their ministry.
0: Interesting. Hmm. All right. Um, Okay. A Christian uh, seeks blessings from God and a disciple, 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 disciple (laughs) seeks to be a blessing of God. Two others. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So again, that's the, if, if the Lord answered all my prayers, would it benefit anybody but me? Right. And, um, seeking to receive a blessing versus seeking to be a blessing. It's just kind of a compass orientation.
0: Yeah. And I I think a big part of, I think, uh, there's a huge thing now about like existential dread, right. In, in secular, uh, circles. So it's like, um, if I sit in silence and think too long about what my day to day things actually mean, Mm. I go a little crazy because it seems like I'm just running in circles until I die. That's basically like the, like the, the godless perception, the, uh, the pessimistic godless perception there, there are optimistic, um, non-theists out there. But, uh, and I think you can kind of, even as a Christian where you think, uh, my interactions, and I had this revelation when we went through that list of, um, I can't remember the context now, but it was a list of happiness. It was, it was the, 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 um, factors in, in happy people from those mm, two yeah, uh, doctors yeah. and the one where it was uh, consider your your routine holy right. and, and pleasing to God as your way of glorifying right. God yeah. because I actually previous to that uh, held to, and when you say when your whole life is worship, it's that same idea right, that when you right. when you do maintain a clean house, it is worship to God. Yeah, uh that uh, there was meaningless things in my life, and then there was meaningful things in my oh, life. All right, but, right, not not necessarily sinful and holy, but right, but meaningful just and meaningless. meaningless and meaningful. Yeah, right, and that idea is 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 a little silly. Well, the idea is that everything's meaningful.
1: Exactly. That's yeah, a, yeah, that's more what I meant. Yeah, yeah. That is that. Yeah, that's a different way to look at everything for sure. I think the, the another one I would say is that um, Christians view themselves as the object of men, of the mission, mm-hmm. like the mission of God exists to change my life, right. <laughs> and disciples see themselves as joining God on the mission. yeah so um, i I did a tweet today, uh, oh. on the church Twitter, that's, not on oh okay. not on the say, church, that's on rare. yeah and uh, the thought was that my job as a pastor is to equip and develop people who no longer need me, but instead join me in the mission of equipping and empowering others. Yeah. And so uh, when you're a Christian, you tend to go to church. You view church as a consumer. You view ministries as a consumer. And you are you view yourself as the objective of the mission is to make your life better, right? But uh, a disciple says, "No, no, no. I'm joining God on His mission to redeem all things." Yeah,
0: it's that kind of that action oriented view again. Where uh, even being a member of the body of Christ, uh, you're not there to to sit down, right? If you're if you're a member of the body of, of Christ, then you don't do anything. Then right. then that it's, it'd be like having one of your fingers not doesn't doesn't work. Yeah, you can't move it. You yeah, know, that kind of I yeah. don't know. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So the next one uh, would be that uh, Christians pray disciples intercede for others. Mm. And that uh, it, this one has always been challenging to me because we're, we are called to intercede for others. It's not even uh it's not something that's mentioned. It's, it's a, a directive. Sure. Um, but it's a weird, you know, like when, like when Jesus forgives sins, it's like a big, like, who do you think you are? I feel that when I think of interceding for others in prayer. Oh, really? You feel like, well, what good would that do? Cause right, exactly. Because I'm, I'm just little old me. Exactly. Well, and there's weird stuff like, does that mean, so, so they need um, to repent and, and accept the blood of Jesus for their sins, and that's how their sins are forgiven. And if I intercede for them, what does that do there?
1: Well, you're not necessarily interceding just for their salvation, but I was thinking today about the difference between the way we typically pray and the prayers I read in the New Testament. You know, mm-hmm. Ephesians, I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened, that you might know the hope of your calling, the riches of God's inheritance for you, and his incomparably great power toward us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Like to pray that for someone sure. is to intercede for them. God, open their spiritual eyes, gotcha. awaken their heart. So not necessarily in, the, in, the, in sin, but in... Yeah, just yeah. in their general life. You know, when I pray for people, I go, Lord, bless them. Yeah. Lord, keep your hand on them. Do you know? But I'm not. I'm not getting uh, more intentional um, into the dynamics of the work of God inside them, and praying that kind of a disrupt. I would call that a disruptive prayer. Sure, Lord, disrupt their lives.
0: Yeah, not not a. It's it's the opposite of the your will be done prayer. It's the I want this done. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: and and for their development and for their good. Yeah, I, I like that one. I also think that. Um, Christians seek financial prosperity, and disciples seek financial stewardship. That's a good one. So Christians seek to be blessed financially from God, while sure. disciples say, "I'm going to get everything He wants me to have, and I'm going
0: to focus on stewarding well for Him." Yeah, I think, and that one's because, especially when when you're in a culturally Christian country like we are, even even still, right, um, uh, diminished or not, uh, it's kind of that. Uh, like I, I bet you the majority of the, you know, 1% or whatever, the very financially prosperous would say that they are Christians, right? And and, and they might even say that, that God gave them the money they got. I don't know if they'd go that far. But, right. but they're the kinds of people who go to, like, a, a church well, on, would, on would, Easter. So
1: you're thinking about, the you said the 1%. I'm thinking of Bill Gates. I don't think Bill Gates would say, God blessed me with this, right, fund, exactly. this finances. Right, exactly.
0: Well, I mean more that they are culturally Christian. So, like, yeah, like yeah. Uh, uh, I don't want to get into but they might have a compass of a monotheistic God. There is a God. Exactly. But they're yeah. not necessarily looking to, you know, show God's love through their financial blessings. They 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 would say that they got themselves there by their will, probably by their good hard work exactly.
1: and their smarts. And exactly. they also want
0: to share their wealth as their gift to the world. Yeah. And not necessarily a funnel of God's gift to the world. And you used the word compass earlier, which this is another huge one where, uh, yeah, you still want to be wise and it would still be nice to have, you know, be comfortable with mm-hmm, money and mm-hmm. have enough to give to others. But the compass there is shifted, where it's not—it's not having enough money. It's stewarding what you're given. That, well, that you could is. say, yeah, you could say that a Christian thinks that the first ten percent
1: of my money belongs to God, right? And a disciple says all of my money belongs to God. Mm, that's big. So that's kind of the same. I think for sure the same point for that sure. we were going at there.
0: Okay, let's. Uh, we're getting towards the. Yeah, let's do a couple towards, more. Well, let's do a commercial break up first. Okay. That? Okay. Uh, yeah, and then we'll do the last couple. Yeah, then we'll do the last couple, mm-hmm. and we'll and we'll. Wrap, we'll it up. wrap it up. Sounds good. All right. See you guys in a few.
2: Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives, and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com, where you can learn more about the Father-Son Duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation.
0: All right. Welcome back. Uh, thanks for listening so far. Uh, we are very grateful for you guys. This is episode 43. Yeah. 43. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Thanks for being part of the uh, Upstream team and uh, being part of this mission with us. We're grateful. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Okay. This one's another kind of um, foundational one, right? So, so we talk about compass and perspective, right? This is another kind of perspective one. Uh, where Christians view life as a playground and disciples view life mm. as a battleground. And mm-hmm. this is one that you've actually, you've shared this idea before a few times.
1: Yeah, I think it's a fundamental uh, paradigm shift for how we view the world. Right. Um, you know, Rick Warren says, most of us, uh, we try to get all we can and can all we get. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's a it's a go out and grab it. You know, take life by the throat. Go, you know, the YOLO.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: YOLO. I, I only live once, so I'm going to live hard and fast and fun. For Sure versus uh hey there's eternity at stake and the eternal destiny of every person you ever encounter is awesome either eternal destiny with God or eternal destiny apart from God
0: it's an awesome destiny either way and there's a war going on over that yeah well it's interesting so, so that's an attitude adjustment for me it's an expectation adjustment
2: mm-hmm. I
0: expect life to be easy and oh, when it's not yeah. I'm not happy or I expect life to beat me up a bit and when it goes well I feel pretty good about it yeah I, I think that's great I I, I
1: have a Handful of sayings I try to live by. One of them them is that if you think life is supposed to be easy, it is super hard. Mm -hmm. But if you embrace the fact that life is hard, it becomes exponentially easier.
0: Yeah. I was, I forget the context around this. We we were in the Philippines. So I was in third grade then. And uh, this was when my uh, aunt Pam was a a missionary in the Philippines there with with, uh, her family, my cousins, and all that. And uh, I, I really can't remember. I think it was how long a trip was going to take. We we're driving, which in Manila mm. takes uh, an eternity anywhere you're going. Yeah. And uh, I was like, man, I really thought this wasn't going to take very long. Uh, and she said, well, there's your first mistake <laughs> is that because your assumption wasn't going to take long is that you're super disappointed. Right. Where if you assume it's going to take forever and then you get there on time, you're happy. And if it does take forever, you were right. Yeah. And one, and one of the first, I was in third grade and that yeah, stuck with me. that's funny. Yeah.
1: One of the first things missionaries learn is that, uh, efficiency is not a concept in most countries oh interesting especially in developing countries for sure. so you say well i've got to do i've got to i've got to go get uh, uh my visa uh, verified or something at the sure. government okay. office you might say well that's going to take you know four hours they say no that's going to take all day and i have no other expectations today except to get that done and if you don't adjust huh. your expectations it, it goes really torture. oh it's torturous yeah. For yeah, you. yeah that makes sense so i have two more um Christians go to church, but disciples are the church. I think that's a, I think that's a significant shift. And then the last one I would say is, uh, Christians hope while disciples trust. Hmm. So what, how does that speak to you? Hope versus trust. Do you want to do the first one first or the, or either
0: one, one. It's just kind of spitball here. What, what, what's grabbing you? Um, I'll do the first one for the, the Christians, uh, um, go, go to church. church. Yeah. The disciples are the church. Yeah. Um, uh, because to me and, and a lot of these kind of, you know, go together. So yeah. this is the same as, um, the, uh, um, my life is worship and music is worship. Mm. The church mm-hmm. is, uh, mm-hmm. um, a, place. For me, a yeah. place or, or, or us. And it's that idea of, of action and, and, and usefulness. So mm-hmm. it's the, um, if you are the church, um, then there's that same body of Christ thing where you, you serve a purpose, mm-hmm. Um, you, you have responsibility. Yeah. Um, and that the, the same, the same concepts of, of, of bearing fruit there, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And I think, I think of, um, uh, if, if you ever think in your mind,
1: boy, the church ought to do something about that. Right. What you're saying, saying is, I ought to do something, I about, ought to that. Do something about that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I struggle with that because you can't do, um, you can't take on every responsibility. No, that's really challenging to me—is to see something and realize I'm never going to be able to do anything about that. I should focus my energy somewhere else. But you can say I'm a part of the body of Christ, and someone in
1: the body of Christ has this gift to actually do that. Right? We, we could we could mobilize the body to do that.
0: Right. And getting the ball rolling, and then focusing energy back somewhere else. Right. That's that's already a huge step. You don't need to devote your life to a cause because. I mean, you could, you should, but yeah. you can't devote your life to every cause on the planet. Right. You, know, you can't devote your life to foster kids and yeah, hunger and illiteracy. Yeah. And I
1: can't do everything the church should be doing. Exactly. And yet I am the church. I think the difference is that uh, a Christian sees the church as a place that distributes spiritual goods and services for me. Right. And a, a disciple is the church. I am the dispenser of goods and services for God to people who are far from God. Yeah. And it's a different kind of idea.
0: Well, and I'm guilty of the... Um, Observer mentality. It's very cozy. You mm-hmm. get your drink, mm-hmm. you sit down, and you and you receive. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that very specific ritual in of, that moment uh, of yeah, yeah. Of sitting down, getting the uh, the energy mm-hmm. and the uh, clarity uh, that comes with the sermon. But the the overall attitude, the macro, the zoomed yeah. out attitude yeah. of it all is is important. Yeah. So talk hope,
1: talk to me about hope and trust. Yeah. Hope and trust. Uh, Christians hope in God, or
0: mm-hmm. they hope for God. To do something, but disciples trust God. What's tricky is because most of these things, the Bible doesn't say don't do that. Right, right, right. right. So, uh, like, we're called to hope um, basically constantly. Without
1: hope, we are hopeless, and to be right. hopeless is to be dead.
0: Right. And yeah. a huge shift in. Um, different schools of thought so a lot of eastern philosophy says hope is the cause of sadness and dissatisfaction Mm -hmm. and 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 disaster hope is a is a is what makes you unhappy Mm -hmm. because because of what we just said actually because your expectations are will be let down um whereas um and that probably is true without jesus but you know hope in in jesus so so i'm uh would it be that hope is we'll see what happens but i'm feeling good about it and trust is i know what's going to happen or not necessarily let's try this way let's let's play a little game
1: talk about your career future Mm -hmm. and i hope in my i hope my career one day blank you know right here's my hope for my career versus trust how would you talk about your career in a hope language versus a trust language
0: I'm still I'm still lost. Tell me how. You, so
1: so I hope right. that I get to write books, and I hope that I get published, and I hope that I uh, get to write for a living, where that's my entire career, and I hope that I make the New York Times bestseller list once. That's a hope language. I trust that God has gifted me the way He wants to use me, and I trust He's going to use my gifts and talents where He wants to use them most, mm-hmm. and I trust that He's going to open the doors that are necessary to get me right where He wants me. That's a different gotcha. feeling. Does that does that help? Yeah, so then then it's
0: shifting from your will for your life to God's will for your
1: life. Yeah, largely, but also it moves from this nebulous kind of hope to a mm-hmm. more solid anchored trust. I um I hope that Sue lives to be eighty five or ninety or a hundred. And in her right mind, and I live to be 85 or 90 or 100 in my right mind. Minus a day, maybe. Yeah, I yeah. hope. Yeah, I, I would like us to, to live uh, outlive each other by a day. You yeah. Know? But the point is, you know, I hope for this future, but I trust God that anything I need, I'm going to have at the moment that I need it.
0: I really do trust gotcha. that. So this one almost sticks out to me as a both, right? It is both. And that's I think that's true
1: with all of them. I want sure. God to financially prosper me so that I can steward more, even more resources for God. So gotcha. wanting God to prosper me is not a, a bad thing. Right. But the emphasis is on a different syllable <laughs> right. for a disciple.
0: Uh, so big picture, the, the list as a whole, right? Um, we both agree, and the numbers seem to suggest that the majority of butts in seats in church are Christians, not disciples. I would say that's true. And... uh this is an appealing list to me. This seems this 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 is a fire in the belly kind of list. This is a this is an exciting list. It inspires you to be a disciple. Yeah, yeah. And why do you think that people who hear this kind of language uh, two to four Sundays a week, one to four Sundays a, or a month, one to four Sundays a month? Um, why do you think we have a? big gap in the number of Christians to disciples? Why isn't it the half and half, you know?
1: Yeah, I would say two things come to my mind. I'd love your response to these. Sure. One is we're not teaching this. So mm. in most of our, I don't know most, I don't go to most of our churches, but sure. uh, The it, it appears that the American church in, in large part is training people to be consumers, training people to look to God for what he gives you right, rather than to take up your cross every day and die you know, follow him as, as a disciple, so you can't
0: blame them for behaving that way. Cause we're, it's how they were, it's how they <laughs> right. were trained. So yeah.
1: I think that's a factor. And then I, as you know, I've been obsessed with the Pareto principle for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I can't stop thinking about the 80, 20 reality. And uh, I think that you're in a 80, 20 zone in this conversation that perhaps 20% of church attenders are Christ centered disciples of Jesus Doing, and, doing
0: eighty uh, percent of the work for the kingdom.
1: Yes, and giving eighty percent of the money. Yeah, but also that eighty percent then are giving twenty percent of the devotion load and the giving load, and that that's that's uh, a thing, you know. And I think it traces all the way back. This is my theory sure. o- on the Pareto principle that long before Pareto was God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the start of a book.
1: Yeah, and um, and so um, you have the spies. So they send 12 spies or 10 spies. I forget what it was, but they send a Mm -hmm. bunch of spies. Yeah. And uh, two of them come back and say, we can do this. And the other ones say, the giants are too big. Yes, it's a flowing milk and honey. The fruit there's amazing, but those giants are huge and we'll get squashed like bugs. Mm -hmm. And when you do the division there, it's 17.2%. So I think it's actually 17%. Is the Pareto principle? Yeah, it's the God principle, and I think this is woven in. You know, I can't, I can't stop thinking about this. Eighty percent of Super Bowls have been won by twenty percent of the teams. Eighty percent of baseball World Series championships won by twenty percent of the teams, and I think it's this. It's this. Uh, you pick any uh, cell phones, any industry, and eighty percent of the business is is owned by twenty percent of the people in that market. The wealth distribution, yeah, thing, yeah, real estate. 90% of all real estate is sold by 10% of the realtors. So um, there's something there. sure. And so I don't believe that with focused faith in God, we can't break that. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a box that we're in. And I think um, when it comes to Christians versus disciples, we've got to reverse that, that percentage. Sure. In fact, I would say the hope of the world is that Jesus will grab the hearts of his people and that we will live our lives not selfishly for ourselves, but selflessly for God, and that we will join him on his mission because then he sends his people everywhere. Like you couldn't, no matter what the law says about what Christians can or can't do, the reason the church is exploding in China and exploding in the Muslim world is because God doesn't have to listen to any laws. He can get into the hearts of people. Then those people have
0: friends and family members and it just spreads like a wildfire. Yeah. And because we don't, you know, we're not in that sterile mathematic equation of 80-20 because we have, you know, the spirit of God working in yeah. in ways that we're never going to know. So that that uh, becomes even more mysterious and powerful. And say that it's 80-20 in a normal company where 20% of these salesmen are making 80% of the sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the kingdom of God. That 20% should be even more. Uh, not in sales, I mean in, in actual ministry and, right. and going forward. They should be even more um, potent, I guess I would say, with yeah. the Spirit and with the interaction. Yeah, and
1: that. the thing that's really cool about this whole conversation is we circle right back to the beginning, which is the sovereignty of God. God's going to accomplish His mission. He doesn't need us. He right. just desires to use us. God's not hung up on efficiency because there's way more efficient ways for Him to change the world than to trust us to do mm-hmm. it. Uh, so uh, I trust the sovereignty of God in all of this, and, man, let's become apprentices of Jesus rather than Christians. And here's the thing. I I hear people giving up on their faith. We've talked a lot over the last year about uh, millennials and uh, other uh, young adults and leaders who have turned their backs completely on Christianity, and they have a whole bunch of reasons why. Hmm. And um, I think I would join. I don't remember who said this. I would say that people are walk. They're saying that Christianity, that they tried Christianity and it didn't work. And I would say they left Christianity
0: untried gotcha. because consumer Christianity is not the kind that's going to change right. your life forever. Right. So it would probably look a lot like many other faiths in, yeah. in, in that version.
1: Well, it's like trying a new hobby or I, tried, I picked up racquetball and it didn't change my life. I picked up faith and it didn't change my life. Right. No, you have to die. I mean, step one of picking up faith is to die to yourself and live for Christ. So we're talking about a radically different thing. Yeah. And I think that's the part that I'm just – I got a fire in my bones for those of us who are in churches and are believers to take that plunge and give ourselves fully to Christ and his mission and live for him more than ourselves. I think that is the upside down secret to ultimate human fulfillment. And that's, those are disciples who do that. Yeah. 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 You have
0: any last takeaway or thoughts, John? Um, I think really that that concept that uh um that the the real um the what's the word i'm looking for the partition between christians and disciples is that uh high stakes you know putting all your chips in the middle dying to yourself Mm -hmm. i think the reason it does spread like wildfire in those oppressed cultures uh is because those people realize how high the stakes are and they realize what it means and the power in it and uh and we're in a comfortable place uh as a country and um and when you're getting that watered down version it really isn't even as powerful as the book is and the truths are it really isn't doesn't look different than a lot of other things yeah um so i think uh it is a disservice to yourself in in those shoes to not really give it hundred percent to the best of your ability, you know, the help. Yeah. It's the help still not belief. about yeah. earning it. Right. It's not about that. It's about
1: giving yourself away. Right. And submitting and surrendering. You know, exactly. uh, I grew up a Dallas Cowboy fan and years ago, it's been <laughs> so long. You have to watch it on VHS. Oh boy. Uh, they won back-to-back Super Bowls. And as the season was starting that third year, all the commentary was, can they win three in a row? Yeah. And I remember hearing a commentator say, no, they can't. And here's why. It's hard to be hungry when you're full. Dang. And his notion was these guys have been full of success and they're not hungry for yeah, it anymore. Yeah. And that to me is consumer Christianity and why what you just said, in these brutal parts of the world, it's easy to be hungry for God. Yeah. Because you're starving in lots of ways. Yeah, exactly. But you live in a land of abundance and prosperity, it's hard to be hungry when you're full.
0: Yeah. I think uh Tom Brady laughs and clinks his rings me, but, <laughs> He's but a twenty percenter. He's he's a, he's a seventeen percenter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he is. <laughs> <laughs> all right well hey thank you guys so much for listening again uh very very grateful if, yeah, if you we want us to quit saying thank you just let us know but uh, probably not <laughs> yeah
1: so subscribe tell a friend and please send us uh I, I was talking to someone the other day who said hey i listen to your podcast i said give me give us some help help us make it
0: better give us topic ideas you know what i'll think about that nice <laughs> please do we would love to hear yeah. from you and the most uh the best way for that is is email info at jim and no h in the john um, but really, if you're on Instagram, that works fine too. Send yep. us a, a, a love to hear from me. there. Yeah, yeah, awesome. We will see you guys next week.